Hi, welcome to the Times of Israel's Daily Briefing. It is Monday, January 30th, and I'm Jessica Steinberg. I'm joined today by political correspondent Tal Schneider and military reporter Emmanuel Fabian. Hello, good morning. Hi, Jessica. Hi, Jessica. Hi there. We are still in the aftermath of the terrorist attack that took place Friday night, killing seven, and a series of other attacks on Saturday. We'll talk about what's happening on that front, as well as the continued push for judicial reform at the Knesset. Before we jump into all of that, we're going to take a quick break. Okay, Manny, tell us what has been happening since the terror attack. I know that you were in Ramallah yesterday for a briefing with Defense Minister Yoav Gallant. What did he have to say? Or perhaps maybe let's start with what are some of the details of what we're seeing now after the terrorist attack? So uh, in response to the attack, uh, we've seen quite a few moves by the army and by the police. Uh, so firstly, um, the the home of the terrorist in, in, the, in East Jerusalem uh, was sealed it was closed shut. His family was um, basically kicked out of the home. The army is deploying additional troops. The police are investigating several people in connection to the attack. And we're seeing calls by uh, by the defense minister, by other politicians um, for potential moves against the family of of the of the terrorist or other terrorists and and anyone else who supports the move. So. Firstly, Defense Minister Yoav Gallant, uh, he spoke to reporters at the IDF's West Bank headquarters. It's it, it's just on the outskirts of the settlement of Beit El. It overlooks Ramallah. Uh, and he told reporters that uh, Israel's uh, looking um, to calm things down, but will not hesitate at all to act uh, against terror. And he ba- basically threatened, he said, uh, if needed, we will demolish their homes. Uh, we will deprive them of their rights. If needed, we will expel them, he said. Uh, and he said that every terrorist will either go to court or the cemetery. So he's basically looking here, and the, the security cabinet a day earlier as well uh, said that they are looking at potentially uh, deporting um, family members of terrorists that support the acts of the um, of the attacker, denying them uh, social security rights uh, and other moves. What does that mean, actually, Manny? Break it down for us. Actually, in, in fact, go back to sealing the house. What does that actually mean? So, uh, in general, Israel has a policy of um, demolishing or sealing homes of Palestinian attackers who are accused of committing a deadly attack. Uh, If people are killed, then Israel will move to demolish the home. Now, in general, this is a process that takes several months. So, what what usually happens is the army will notify a family of an attacker that uh, Israel wants to demolish the home. The family can then appeal to the court. Uh, the court may accept um, some sort of compromise that only parts of the home used by the attacker will be demolished. In some cases, it's impossible to demolish it if it's like an apartment on, in a building, and then they will seal it instead. Uh, and this is a process that takes a while, and then often also um, the army will pick a kind of a specific date when to conduct the demolishing operation um, for all sorts of security concerns. And as well, it also needs to map out the home um, to, to figure out the best way to demolish it or seal it if it's not possible to demolish it. So what has happened in this case is um, ministers in the new government have been pushing to immediately seal the homes, not with a, a complicated concrete filling, but rather just welding the doors and windows shut to not enable anyone to enter. And then later on, go through the long process of uh, of actually eventually demolishing it. So 
In response to the attack, a day later, uh, police forces did enter uh, the um, East Jerusalem neighborhood of Atur and uh, basically welded um, the doors shut, uh, sealed the windows, uh, kicked the family out of the home, um, even though some of them have actually been detained, but uh, kicked whoever else was currently living in the home out. Uh, and then they will work uh, later on to potentially demolish the home. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now take us to Defense Minister Gallant's comments. I think this was probably his first official press conference after an event, after an incident. Is that true? Right. Yeah, I believe this is his, his first. He's issued statements before, but hasn't uh, invited journalists yet to to properly talk. But he held an assessment at the West Bank headquarters. They discussed there uh, all the potential responses and what's going on on the ground. The army has uh, deployed uh, three uh, additional battalions to the West Bank, and then two companies have been deployed to assist the, uh, the police uh, in the Jerusalem area and in uh, kind of towns on the West Bank security barrier area. Uh, so Gallant, uh, like I mentioned before, he issued these comments. Um, he said Israel will act decisively and forcefully against anyone who threatens our citizens. Uh, but he also said um, we want a better future for the Palestinian population, for anyone who behaves according to the law. So um, kind of playing at both sides here and saying that we will go through with these, I would say, quite drastic measures of deporting people or uh, de- demolishing homes. But also saying anyone who is actually uh, not involved or doesn't support um, kind of terrorist attacks would uh, basically not be harmed in this. Deporting? What does deporting mean? We've never heard that. Right. So uh, deporting to to the Gaza Strip um, of of families of attackers is is quite a rare move, I would say. I I believe after the um, kind of uh, Gilad Shalit deal in 2011, um, terrorists themselves were deported to Gaza, but I don't think... Uh, members of family, uh, family members of of terrorists were were deported uh, outside of the country. It's a very um, unusual move, and and there has to be some sort of legal precedent to actually go forward with that. Uh, meanwhile, um, after the attack, police arrested around fifty people um, in connection to the attack, or maybe possibly knew of the attack intentions. Uh, despite police saying that he acted alone. Um, most of them have been released, but uh, right now, um, the mother of the terrorist uh, who killed seven in Neveyakov is still being held, uh, as is a cousin, uh, two other, I believe, acquaintances or neighbors of his uh, in uh, in the area in Atur, and then one more Palestinian from the West Bank is also being held, so in total five uh, are still being held, um, and they are still being questioned over their uh, knowledge, possibly, of of the attack intentions. Okay. Thanks a lot for that, Manny, for that update. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we're back, Tal will talk to us about what is happening on the judicial reform front. So we're back. Tal, talk to us about what is happening on the judicial reform front, which, of course, is still very much in the headlines. It's been pushed a little bit back because of the terrorist attacks that took place over Shabbat over the weekend. Um, But what is happening and what are we hearing specifically from Knesset Law Panel Chair, uh, Knesset member Simcha Rotman, who has put forward a little bit of an an abstract of the judicial reform that 
looks a little bit different than what Justice Minister Yariv Levin has been planning. What can you tell us about that? Right. So one of the most interesting uh, things at the moment is that the Constitutional Committee in the Knesset is pushing really, really strong to to, you know, uh, you know, to move forward with the legislation pretty fast. In one of the claims of uh, Likudnik, uh, the people from the Likud and from the right-wing coalition, was uh, after the horrible uh, Friday night, uh, you know, massacre outside the synagogue in Jerusalem, the coalition and the people from the right-wing sa- said, how do people from the left wing are still going to demonstrations? Why are they doing it? Don't, don't they feel they need to put a stop because people were killed and so on? And the people on the left said, you know, if you will hold and you will, you know, slow down your, you know, your legislation because of the, of the victims, we will maybe slow down our demonstration. Now, Jessica, this it's not, is not happening. The coalition is running very strong with the legislation. They're not putting any stop to it. Um, right now, this morning, they continue, um, to have discussion in the committee. And one of the most interesting things is that the um, legal advisor for the committee, advocate named Gur Blai, he's been in the Knesset for many, many years. He's very experienced in constitutional changes. He came up uh, on Sunday morning with a legal advice, legal counseling to the committee and said, this is major shift in Israel constitutional regime, and therefore it should not take place just now this in this Knesset. It should take place in after the next election. That, you know, obviously next election can, you know, can take place in four years or three years. We don't know that. So this is, this is very harmful to Simcha Rotman, the chairman of the Constitutional Committee, because obviously they want everything to be done quickly right now and in effect next month or so. So that was interesting because part of this um, reform or overhaul or, uh, you know, some people call it a coup, some of the content is to limit the possibility of legal advisor to give, you know, legal counseling such as Gore Bly. So if this reform will pass, the Knesset may, you know, the Constitution Committee may say, okay, this is your opinion. We don't have to take it. We can appoint, maybe appoint our own political legal advisor. I mean, it's, 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 it's not something that can happen so quick, but, you know, it's like um, when you, you, you hear what I'm trying to explain to you, the legal advisor of the Constitution Committee is right now talking in the Knesset against the chairman of the committee, Again, a very troubling or very conflicting event to listen to all of those uh, opposing ideas. He, he basically, as I said, what he said is don't, you know, push it so quick and don't push it to take effect in a month. If you want to, you know, you want to have a change of Israel regime, make sure it happens in the next Knesset so people can vote whether they like it or not. But, but then there's the politics of it all. I mean, of course, which is what's happening in terms of this new government. Right, but Gore Bly... He's not an elected official. Right? Exactly, but he's not also recruited to any of the parties. He's just saying his legal... Unbiased opinion. Uh, opinion about the, um, you know, the... It's, it's a huge change in Israel regime. So he says, you know, slow down. And he says, um, it, it, this, uh, the changes that you are making, uh, Simcha Rotman, MK Simcha Rotman, they are changing the balance of powers 
you know, in, in a, drastic, a drastic manner between the judicial system and the, um, you know, um, executive and, and, and legislature, legislature b- branch. And therefore, it should be done more slowly and, uh, as, as I said, um, take effect only after the next election. And, and um, Rotman uh, is pushing back pretty strong at the moment. In the committee, as we speak, he, pre- he presents um, many examples to changes in basic clause that took effect immediately and not, you know, in the next, uh, after the next election. So you have a couple of examples for that, such as, uh, you know, when they changed back, back in like three years ago when Netanyahu entered Benny Gantz into the government and they uh, enacted the, what we call the alternate prime minister's uh, bill, which was, you know... Just to make it work. Right. It wasn't a big change as, as, as presented at the moment, but it was a change, obviously, in the, uh, the way the executive branch is functioning. And, uh, and Rotman says, you know, come on, this bill was enacted in 2020 and it was, um, you know, it went into effect immediately. Nobody waited for another election. So, I mean, using the examples as uh, as works for them, as as appeals to their thinking at the moment. Exactly. Okay. thanks for that. Interesting development there. And Manny, uh, tell us about the reported Saturday night drone attack that struck a defense facility in Iran. Reportedly, Israel was behind that attack. Um, I know you don't have any uh, sort of direct information yet, as far as I know. What can you tell us about it? Right. So the this kind of uh, incident in uh, Isfahan in Iran uh, on Saturday night, um, according to Iranian uh, media, Iranian official media, um, these uh, small quadcopters that were equipped with... Um, with explosives um, struck this uh, facility. Uh, this is the official information that we know. According to Iran, um, one of the drones struck, two were shot down, but other reports suggested that there were three or four explosions that hit the facility. Um, regardless, according to uh, the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and other other reports, this facility housed basically a Iranian weapon site, so um, it was used to build ballistics missiles or other other sort of weapons. Uh, some reports also su- suggested um, uh, d- uh, it was a drone manufacturing site, but I believe um, it was more of the the, the, the missiles um, that it was used for, t- basically to build them there. Um, and it would not be the first time Israel's been accused of, or uh, I would say cited as uh, been behind sort of attacks in Iran, very similar ones. Um, so according to American officials speaking to American media, um, they said that Washington was not behind the attack and Israel was likely the one behind the attack. Um, I, the um, New York Times reported today that it was uh, the Mossad behind it uh, and um, they cited uh, US uh, intelligence officials as uh, saying that basically Israel was behind this attack, uh, and it comes following a series of sort of attacks against Iranian um, drone sites or uh, missile sites in the past year. Are these, in a sense, things attacks that are meant to slow down the process? I mean, or or how do we how how do we look at these? How do we measure these attacks, assuming that Israel is behind them? So I would say it's definitely uh, Israel trying to kind of curb Iran's attempts to build. Uh, weapons that could be used against Israel. Um, and 
in this case, it would be a, miss, a missile manufacturing site. Um, so Israel would, uh, I would, I would assume Israel would want to prevent Iran from putting together these missiles. And in the past, we've also seen similar kind of explosions or drone attacks against Iranian nuclear sites, whether centrifuges and uh, etc. and other uh, facilities. So it's just a very long shadow war that's been going on for quite a while now. Uh, between Israel and Iran, where every so often a facility in Iran will explode mysteriously, and then a day later Israel will be blamed for it. So definitely something we've seen before, um, but another interesting incident that will be kind of will definitely w- won't be the last one that we're seeing. Right. Okay. Thanks for that. All right. We're going to close out today's daily briefing. Thank you, Manny, and thank you, Tal, for being with me today. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be back tomorrow with another daily briefing. In the meantime, wishing you a good day. Thanks for listening to the Times of Israel's daily briefing. And thanks to our producer, Gilad Brownstein, and to Gili Amar for this out of this world music. You can find us daily wherever you find your podcasts. And on our mothership, timesofisrael.com. Like what you hear? Consider rating us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to spread the word. And be sure to check out our weekly feature, Times Will Tell, released every Friday. Until next time, Shalom. Shalom.